It's the phone call that you you hope you'll never get. It's the one where your son-in-law tells you that your daughter has been in a terrible car accident and has been rushed to a trauma center. And it's the call that it absolutely brings you to your knees. It, it rips your heart out. It causes your mind to go places that you never, ever want to go, never thought that you would have to go. And on February 5th, we got that dreaded phone call. And for everybody involved, our lives were forever changed at that very moment, but none more than our beautiful, kind-hearted, and devoted daughter, Alex. Alex was a 23-year-old student of sonography, and she was living and attending school in Arizona, less than six months away from graduation, when she got T-boned in the middle of an intersection by a Ford F-150 truck. The driver of the truck ran a red light and struck Alex in her Mini Cooper as she entered the intersection on a green light, and her car spun out. And, and it was thrown over 100 feet into a field off on the side of the road. And, and fortunately, the driver of the truck wasn't hurt and was able to walk away from the accident with nothing but a scratch on his leg. But unfortunately, he didn't have a valid driver's license and was extremely underinsured. And at the scene of the accident, while our daughter was fighting for her life, he was issued a ticket for a red light violation and a ticket for not having a driver's license and was offered traffic school to clear the tickets from his record. Our daughter, after being unresponsive at the crash site, was rushed to the hospital trauma center where doctors would discover that she had bleeding on the brain. She had a punctured and collapsed lung, multiple rib fractures, a grade three spleen laceration with grade one and two kidney contusions, liver lacerations, sacral fractures, and fractures that just extended all around her pubic ring. And she also had right spinal L1, L2, and L3 fractures as well as the left temple scalp, she had a severe laceration. She was admitted to the ICU and a chest tube was placed and scalp lacerations were treated. And she was scheduled for a complete pelvic ring reconstruction surgery and a possible spleen removal. Prior to her surgery, her surgeon said, let me explain in terms that are easier to understand. Her sacrum is broken in multiple places and essentially the lower half of her body has been detached from the upper half and her pelvis has collapsed in on itself causing several breaks within her pelvic ring and both hips. He said on the scale of severity with this type of injury, she's definitely near the top. Two days later, she faced a five-hour surgery where numerous bones were set and bolts were put in place to literally secure her body back together. Now we're hoping for a full recovery, but it's way too soon to know when she'll be able to stand or walk on her own. She currently needs assistance with all of her most basic everyday activities, including getting up, using the bathroom, bathing, getting into bed, all of it. She needs a wheelchair and a walker to move from room to room. And gratefully, she has family to support her on a daily basis. But what she's lost in the meantime is, is devastating. She had to withdraw from school and the externship that she had been placed in just one week before the accident. The school that she would have graduated from in less than six months, which would have put her in her dream career as an ultrasound tech. Her husband, Mitch, who was living in Idaho at the time of the accident, was in the middle of his last semester for his undergraduate degree in college and was preparing to take the MCAT in May and to better care for his wife, he had to postpone the MCAT, delaying his future education at this point by at least a full year. And instead of attending her full-time sonography externship, Alex now spends her days recovering from her injuries and works daily on physical therapy to both gain strength and relearn how to use her hips and legs again. Her main goal at the moment is just to be strong enough and mobile enough to return to school, but this is going to require her to be able to stand for eight hours a day. Alex long dreamed of becoming a mother, and she looked forward to the birth experience and her body's ability to accomplish this and the financial impact on this chapter of her life are yet to be fully understood, but we know that the cost could be significantly more due to the injuries that she has sustained. 
Early x-rays show that there may be a need for future corrective surgeries to better align her hips and the potential costs both financially and emotionally are difficult to determine at this time. So the physical, the emotional damage that this has caused is beyond what any of us could have imagined. And as parents, watching Alex and Mitch navigate this challenging circumstance in their lives has been, it's been absolutely excruciating. It's unbearable to try and imagine what it's truly been like for each of them. And because the driver who struck Alex was underinsured, she and Mitch are going to be responsible for nearly all of the past, the present, and the future medical bills caused by this accident. And as full-time students, the magnitude of this financial situation is overwhelming, and it really does seem an insurmountable responsibility to face at this point in their lives. It's hard to describe just the absolute complete helplessness that you feel as a parent when there's nothing you can do with the physical and emotional pain that your child is enduring because there is so little we can do with that. We hope to ease the financial burden that Alex and Mitch will face as the emergent medical, surgical, rehabilitational, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and mental therapy bills come due. So I, we would love your help. Please help us as we try to alleviate the financial burdens placed on our daughter and her husband and help them prepare for the uncertainties that their future holds. No matter how small, every donation will help Alex and Mitch move forward and hopefully someday move past the devastating circumstances that life has presented them. And we hope that one day they'll be able to put it behind them for good. But until then, we know that we're going to be doing all that we can to support them along the way. So if you're up for it, please help us help them. And that is from my wife, Wendy and I. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of The Virtual Couch. And what I just read is the text copy that Wendy and I put together for our daughter Alexa's GoFundMe account, which was launched on Sunday, March 27th. So by the time you listen to this podcast, the GoFundMe will have been up for a few days or weeks, depending on when you listen. But even at the time of the recording of this introduction, approximately 36 hours after the launch of the campaign, 337 people have donated. So on behalf of my daughter, Alex, my son-in-law, Mitch, and my wife, Wendy, myself, we can't even begin to thank you enough. And, and if you listen to the podcast, I am an eternal optimist. This is episode 315 of the Virtual Couch Podcast. It's been going on for almost five years now. And I definitely feel like I have a podcast family. So many of you have emailed me and shared your own stories of tragedy or you've empathized. And so many of you have asked if there is anything that you can do. And I am an absolute horrible salesman. Thank goodness. That's one of the main reasons that I got out of computer software almost 20 years ago and started the journey to become a therapist, which I truly love. And I really do hope that you don't feel like this episode is a sales pitch. I know there are a lot, uh, there's just so much uncertainty in the world. And I understand that for many, it's simply paying the bills is a challenge. So I just hope you don't feel obligated to contribute to this campaign. The amount of love, the prayers, the positive vibes, the karma, you name it, that has been sent to my family has, has been felt. It's been tangible. And we will take all of that you can give us and more. So let me get to today's interview. It's with my daughter, Alexa, her husband, Mitch, and my wife, Wendy. And we try to be as open and honest as we can about what this entire journey has been like from multiple angles, from each one of our angles, but especially from Alex. And, and it does get emotional, but it's beautiful. And because you really don't know what somebody is going through and period. And, and I know in the past, I might add until you've, until you've gone through something similar. But while that might give you a little bit more empathy or definitely sympathy, we just don't know what others are going through. So please just give everybody that you love a hug right now, reach out to them, um, tell them that you care about them because things can just change in, in an absolute instant. Love those close to you. And if you can just empathize with those that are going through hard, difficult times, literally everybody is going through whatever they're going through for the very first time in their life. 
So whatever they're doing, however they're doing it, they're doing it right because they're just trying to survive. And uh, sometimes you just have to say, yeah, that this sounds, that, that sounds really hard. Or literally, as you'll hear later in this interview, sometimes you just want to say to somebody, man, that must suck. And, and it really does. And also, as you're going to hear later, does anybody really know what a spleen is or what a spleen does? So please forgive us. But it, despite the fact also that I have almost 400 podcasts under my belt, I did not think through the recording equipment needed to have four of us recording in separate locations. So there's definitely a difference in the audio quality of Wendy and me versus Alex and Mitch. And we did all we could do in the editing process to help bring up their volume and make things more clear. But I think it's, it's good. I think you'll get used to the audio quality pretty quickly. And again, if you're interested in donating to Alex's GoFundMe, you'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for all of your support. As the initial donations came in the first night, um, Wendy, through her tears, simply said, people are good. And don't we just need that kind of message right now? the goodness that people can uh, can provide. So thanks again. I hope you enjoy this interview. Feel free to comment on social media or the GoFundMe account or anything. And we just, again, appreciate all the support that everybody's given us. So let's get to the interview with Wendy and Alex and Mitch. Okay. Okay. So we're rolling. Alex, Mitch, and Wendy. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Well, it's funny. I thought about this. The only other time that we've been able to get mom on a podcast is when there was a worldwide pandemic. I think this is a reunion of most of the COVID kids. We're just missing a few from that episode. Yeah. And now it has to be tragedy. So I mean, maybe mom just needs to come on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she is committing right now to come on the podcast at a regular uh, basis. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. Alex, I just read through the, the intro. We know we're talking about the accident and, and all that that's entailed, but I thought it would be interesting right now. Just talk a little bit about what have the, the couple of years before that been? Talk about college and what were you studying? Yeah, I graduated from high school in 2016 and I went to BYU-Idaho for school. I was planning on doing nursing. And so I started a couple of classes, didn't like it. Do you remember what were you studying? Do you remember what you wanted to study or what you, was it a, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, did you have that? I really think I always was interested in healthcare. So I think that's why I was thinking nursing just because it made the most sense. And I just felt like that was the perfect job to have as a mom because that was my goal too. So I don't know, that was my goal was nursing. So after a couple of classes, I just did not like, I don't know, I just didn't like it. But I also just felt like I needed to stay on track and graduate. So I just kept taking classes that fit my major, which was public health at the time. And just the more I went through, the more I just did not know what I could do with the major. I just had no interest. And I talked to a couple people that had gone to an ultrasound program, and it just sounded amazing. And I remember... I had gotten an ultrasound on my heart a couple of years ago. I remember that. Yeah. You guys remember that? Yeah. And I mean, I guess it was an echo, but it still, it was so interesting to me. And so I looked more into that, found the ultrasound school in Phoenix. And then Mitch and I got married in 2019 when we were both, we both met at BYU-Idaho and he's from Arizona. So it kind of worked out. We were like, oh, that's good. We could move back there. And I can go to school. So I applied, I got in, and then I started that program. How hard was that at first? It's so funny because I assumed it would be difficult, but not, but an easier route to take in the Uh medical field. And it seriously is so hard. And I've seen so many funny videos that people make that when you decide to 
do ultrasound because you think it's the easy way out and then <laughs> you realize it's completely wrong. It's just you have to know every single thing that can go wrong in someone's body, basically. It feels like you have to know every single disease, every single, any pathology in the body. And you have to know that as well as develop the skill to literally scan through any organ. Yeah. I do things head to toe. We have to ask mom, did you, I imagine you probably were always sure that she would pass and get through it. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Me too. Uh, now I remember, I remember when you would show some of the videos of all the things you were learning and I just thought, yeah. really, you got to learn all this kind of stuff. And I don't yeah. even have good examples because I don't even know anything about the body. So I just yeah. thought that I thought, wait, is she in medical school or. I remember you showing us your homework <laughs> yeah. sometimes, or you would have to yeah. go over something so many times and you would yeah. go over it with us. And I just remember being like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, what has she yeah. like gotten herself into? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. And I feel like a lot of people think ultrasound is just pregnancy, like yeah. scanning pregnant people. Mm-hmm. But we rarely got to do that in school, mostly because of COVID, because we couldn't bring in mm. pregnant people. But the other focus is you're scanning every organ in someone's abdomen area. You're scanning arteries and veins and thyroid and just all that stuff. So it was really interesting to me. And I really fell in love with everything about it. So, so it's interesting too, even choosing that field, it seemed was just the right thing to do because in the scans, you discovered some things about yourself that, that would not have happened had you not been in that program. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm trying to think. I remember I felt a lot of pain probably over the last year or two. I just never knew what it was. And I don't even know what I thought, a hernia or just something wrong, abdomen area. I remember one morning I woke up, I think it was four in the morning, just in the most excruciating pain that I've ever felt until now. I guess that was before then. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So up until that point, it was just crazy. And I just sat in bed, could not move. And I had to go to school that night. And I felt better that night that I was still in so much pain and I went in and I had a my teacher scan me just to see what was going on and I had a ovarian cyst that had a rupture man and it was just the craziest thing to because we had just been learning about it and then it's like happened to me I literally see it on the screen I can see my ovary and see this huge cyst inside of it that was open because it had just ruptured wow and it was just so crazy, but it was so amazing, too, because it was nice for me to understand what was going on and to have find a reason for the pain. And then I was able to check on that yeah. whole program. It brought a lot of relief because I was able to see if I had one and check on the growth of them and see and all that. And it was so that was really cool. Well, I like how you said that it brought some relief because do you feel like by nature, do you feel like you run a little more anxious? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm such a worrier. <laughs> Mitch is laughing. Mitch is laughing. I'm, I'm a very anxious person. and Yeah, that helps a lot. <laughs> it's crazy because you were able to have way more scans through school than you ever would have been offered had you been seeing mm-hmm. a doctor. Totally. Or like you could check them every day if you wanted right. to, which was so crazy totally. to... I remember checking in with you sometimes. Did you scan yourself today? Yeah. Did, how big is it? Or whatever. And you would have never had that 
care under a different circumstance. So then Alex, so then talk about the, so then you get through school and then there was that stress of finding uh, they call it an externship, not an internship, an externship. And then what, what do you remember about that? So Wait, can we go back just one second? Can we just talk about your, I mean, you found other things, which we don't have to get into all your medical history, right? But you've discovered a lot of other things and things that come up now, even when your doctors would look over your medical stuff at the hospital, they'll always say, you know, you have, because you have stuff on your thyroid, right? That you discovered at school. But also tell us about your ribs because it's just like, not your, your, yeah. Yeah. So so during extern, like the externship process, we're supposed to be sent out to a site for our last six months of school. And because of COVID, the school really behind on sending people out just because there weren't enough spots. So for my first month of my externship, I did a lot of online work and a lot of online seminars and classes. One of the classes they brought in specialist that works at I think she works at Phoenix Children's Hospital here and she was talking about this thing called slipping rib syndrome and it was so interesting to me just because the way she described it I was like I really think I have that and it's the most random thing your lower two or three ribs literally slide over each other as when you <laughs> doing a sit-up is a good example because when you're crunching your body because those lower ones aren't tied into the cartilage as much when you have slipping rib syndrome. So anyway, she was talking about it and she was saying that you can put a transducer on someone and have them do a sit up and you can look at your screen and you can watch them literally hit each other. And so that night, or I think it was the next day, we went in to an open lab scanning time. And so I had my friend, I was like, can you just, try to sit up test on me and just because the probe there didn't you always feel like you had something weird yeah always like, like always in that gym. area yeah i've even told mitch when i go to the gym and i'm doing sit-ups or something i have to hold my ribs when i do them because it feels like something is wrong something is painful there but i just never i'd never heard of it so i was just like i don't know what that is but anyways my friend scanned me i did the sit-up and we both just <laughs> like screaming because we watched in real time just my ribs completely flipping over each other and hit each other it was really interesting did you yeah, feel validated in some sense did you feel valid because yeah. i feel like part I of it would be almost like i have all these worries or concerns and they're probably all in my head yeah. or whatever and then to have even to have the scan of your ovary and to realize mm-hmm oh, I'm not just being a baby about the pain. I really do have a reason why it hurts so bad. And I really do have a reason why my, I feel like it would be so validating to find some of those things out. Yeah. So then you find that you get this externship and you find a location. That was a stressful event as well. Yeah, it was because my school was really behind on placing people. And we were worried about if we didn't get a site, then our graduation would be pushed back. Mm-hmm. Because you have to have so many hours and you have to be competent. And that's all based on your preceptor, your teacher at your hospital or clinic, wherever you go. So it was a really stressful time. And your externship During, is just the last six months, right? You've done yeah. all this schooling and then yeah. just so so it's understandable yes, to exactly. people. So it's yeah. the so last all the, the final six yeah. months. 
Okay. And then you graduate. And then I graduate. Well, you test. And I to take yeah. a bunch of, you know, yeah. tests to be registered. But, but at the time of my externship, Mitch, he was about to start his last semester at BYU-Idaho. And then he's done. He graduates with his bachelor. In order for him to do that, he had to go to Idaho because they wouldn't count his classes if they were strictly online just because his major doesn't let that happen. So he had to go live in Idaho for three months while I did the first three months of my externship. And so I was even hoping that I could get placed in Idaho. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to do. And I, that didn't end up happening, but that just made the whole thing more stressful because, you know, yeah. we were like, are we going to, are Mitch and I going to be able to live together? Are we going to be doing long distance? And it was a stressful time for him being his last semester, a stressful time for me. Being Man. It was a lot. And they finally called me and they were like, hey, are you ready to start on Monday? We found you a site. It's close to your home. And I was super excited. And I had done a full week there before the accident happened. And it was seriously, it was the best. I got uh-huh. along with my preceptor. Sorry. It's okay, Al. Um, yeah, it was really, it was like a really good experience. And I'm so bummed that I don't know if I'll be able to go back to that site or not, but it was really cool. We're going to get emotional, and I know we are, and that's I a big know. part of, I think, even the interview today is is to not be so afraid of emotion because I feel like, yeah. man, I've been guilty of it for sure. And, but I think that just shows even where your life was that right before the accident. I feel weird talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does play into part of the recovery. Yeah, for sure. No, I was just like, really, I just was unhappy with just my body, I guess. And I just wanted to be like healthier and I wanted to have a more active lifestyle. So last August, I decided that I was going to start really trying. I started like calorie counting. I would go to the gym every day. And that was from August of last year till I think it was January of this year. But I had reached my goal weight. I yeah. felt I just felt stronger and better than I ever have before. I have to tell you how you were a big time inspiration here. We both bought the same app that you were using and mom has actually stuck with it. But and I've thought about it on a lot of occasions. <laughs> and I was just so impressed because you showed a lot of discipline. And uh, you were doing it right. It weren't starving yourself. You were tracking things, being consistent, working out. And it was pretty amazing. And I remember... Totally inspired Yeah, no, we we did. And we, I think one of the, a couple of times, forget when, oh, when you came in at Thanksgiving and we just thought, oh my gosh, Alex looks amazing. So I know that you've been working hard. I think that is part of even what plays into this as well is you are a hard worker and you're not afraid of that. I want to set a little bit of a stage and we'll work backwards. Let's talk about when I came to visit you. So I guess that was at the two week mark after the accident, because I remember it was that weekend of the Super Bowl. And there was one particular situation where your physical therapist came in and you were going to get up out of bed and you were going to walk. I think they wanted you to walk 50 steps and 50 steps down the hallway. And so you did. And I just remember we were so excited and the PT said, you know what, you're doing amazing. And this is incredible. And I was saying, Oh my gosh, Alex, you did so great. And then we got back into the room and it was just you and mom and me and you broke down a little bit. I don't know. Do you remember that situation? Yeah. I feel like also, I just want to clarify. Not yeah. That even matters. But when you say walk, 
Oh gosh. Okay. Is that that why you guys were looking at me all funny? My walking, it's like I had to use a walker and I couldn't use my left leg at all. So I was more so hopping. Hopping with a walker. With a walker, fresh out of surgery and recovery and all that. So it was a big deal that I could do that, but it also, I don't even know about walking. (laughs) Well, absolutely not. I remember we got back in the room and I just thought this was so powerful when you just said, okay, I know that people are saying you're doing so great and you're going to, and you're making progress and all these things. But I don't know. I felt, I remember of you saying, I really still don't even understand what, what is going on. What even happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if we should even, should we just describe the accident? So actually, yeah, here's what I would love to do is. So at that point, mm-hmm. that was, I know for me, aha moment, even I, I think that I've got this whole, as a therapist figured out that we want to talk and process things, but I found myself wanting to not go into the emotion, the deep emotion, because I, I don't know, I, because I just, I didn't want it to be hard for you. Or I didn't want it to be hard for mom. And I learned later, oh no, I didn't want it. I, it was hard for me as well. And just, and so then I, I don't know if you remember, I brought this portable recorder and I said, okay, let's just go through what all of our experience was like from getting the phone call from Mitch and from what it's the first things that you remember. And then I got back here and I didn't set it up right. So I didn't even get the recording. So part of what I think would be pretty powerful is maybe if we recreated that, that conversation in a sense now with the four of us and just, and I know it will be emotional, but I feel like it, it does make so much sense to see how that all laid out. And then maybe from there, we can understand more about how do you talk to somebody about trauma or a tragedy and how that plays out and knowing, and I think the veil of everyone, bless everyone's heart, we're all trying to, to navigate that or say the, the best thing. I don't even know what the right thing is, but, and then what the, what that can mean to the, to you that's going through it or that sort of thing. So is that okay? We can talk through that. Yeah. Okay. Mitch, are you ready? Cause I feel yeah, like Mitch, totally. Mitch is the, Mitch yeah, is the, yeah. the, the beginning. He's the, the key, the linchpin here. And so Mitch is in Idaho at that point. Alex is in Arizona and we're in California. And, and I remember, I got to say this too, Al, Friday night. So it happened on a Saturday, that Friday night, you and me, mom and your sister, Mackie, we played Mario Kart online and we just had FaceTime up. And I don't know if you remember that, but we played for an hour, two hours and we just talked. And, and it was just amazing. And I just want to say that everybody's in different places, but we still stay pretty connected as best we can. And so then Mitch, take us through your Saturday. Yeah. So it's funny. I was telling Alex right before this, I feel like every time I talk about it, it becomes more and more blurry to me. So okay. Interesting. I apologize if I backtrack a little bit. No, you're okay. So it was Saturday afternoon. Earlier that morning, actually, Alex and I were FaceTiming because we were obviously doing long distance and it just seemed like a pretty calm morning. She didn't have school and I just had to go to the library later that day. We talked for a few hours on FaceTime and I remember her telling me, okay, I'm going to get up and get ready and go to the gym. I think this was around 11 or so. So it was late morning. And obviously I didn't think anything of it. So it was okay. Yeah. I went to the library and I was studying with one of my buddies and I was studying for a biochem exam. I feel like I had the next Monday or something. I was there for a few hours. I remember I had just, and this might be too much detail, so you can edit. Oh no, there's nothing. There is no right or wrong way to do this part. In the, in the lower level biology classes, a lot of the teachers have you, um, they have you before exams, you have to go and teach 10 people and people have to sign uh, that you taught them. And I remember this kid, this freshman kid came up to me and my friend and he was needing to teach us. 
And so we're like, okay. And obviously we knew, we knew what he's teaching about action potentials, which is a super big thing in biology. So we spent like an hour helping him understand this thing called action potentials. And it was right when he got up and left when I got the call. And it was a call from, it said banner on my phone. I usually wouldn't answer any I like, say, yeah, you know, just okay. random phone numbers. But banner is kind of like the Kaiser in California. It's mm. the huge hospital chain here. And so my initial thought was, oh, that's weird. Maybe I'll just answer it. I remember looking at my phone for a little bit thinking, okay, should I just let it go to what's on or not? Yeah. But then the thoughts went through my head. Maybe something's wrong. Maybe something happened to my parents. It never really crossed my mind. Alex isn't okay because I had just talked to her. Yeah. So I answered it and it was the nurse, I believe. I think it was her nurse in the, not the trauma center, but in the ICU. And she just said, are you Mitch Lovell? And I said, yeah. And she said, are you aware that Alex has been in an accident? I just remember I was just so in shock. I don't remember what I said after, but I know I said no. And then she went through all this list of things that they believe happened. Obviously, it was a few hours after, so they weren't too sure of anything at that point. And then her initial reason for calling me, okay, we're located here, so come. So she um, told me their location, and I remember I'm, I started panicking. I'm not there. And she's like, okay, do you have anyone that can come? And so I just told her right away, I need to get off and call my parents. And so I hung up. Oh, wait, no, actually, sorry, this is me backtracking. Yeah. I asked her, is she okay? And can I talk to her? And she told me I finally got her to unlock her phone. So she's a little responsive, but, but she, she wasn't talking really. So she put me next to the phone and, oh, okay. Again, backtracking. She called me on the banner phone. But then she was like, let me call you on Alex's phone. And so she called me on Alex's phone and I tried talking to Alex. And I remember the true panic set in. I didn't really realize the severity of it until I was, hey, Alex, are you okay? And all I could hear was, "Ah." she just made some grunting noise. And I remember being, oh my gosh, this actually, I don't know. Yeah, it said, and I'm going to cry. But anyway, I hung up. I called my dad. My dad obviously was like, hey, how's it going? Like, what are you up to? And I immediately was, what are you doing? I need you to go to the hospital. And he, I just heard him in the background immediately. Kim, we have to go right now. They actually thought that she was here still. They didn't realize she had left to the gym. She was on her way to the gym when she got hit. Because um, you guys live, we should say, you live with your in-laws. Alex lives with live your with mom and dad. Yeah, Sorry. while she's yeah. in Arizona, yeah. and so they assumed Alex was in her bedroom. Yeah. We have we have two we had two cars here, so they saw my car in the driveway. The other car, the one that I took, was in the garage. So they just they saw my car. They assumed I was home. They just, yeah, so that's why they had no okay. idea I was even gone. Right. I called him, and he immediately said, "Kim, we got to go." Kim is my mom, and so they went, and. So at the time I was in the library when I got the call and we have this cross bridge that connects the library to this main building called the Manwaring Center. And I, and I was on the quiet part of the library. So I got up and went onto the bridge when I called my dad and I was um, talking to him on the bridge. And after I hung up with him, I was obviously a mess and I was crying and I didn't know what to do. So I went 
into the men wearing center and I found like one of those handicapped bathrooms and I went in there and I just locked myself in there. And I, I remember sitting on the floor and I called Tony and in hindsight, obviously I know I should have said it all differently. Oh, gosh, Alex please. was in an accident and I could hear Tony said, Oh my gosh. And I just told him what I knew. And Tony was great about it. He said, whatever you need, don't hesitate and buy a flight. If you need whatever, we'll help you. And it still hadn't set in yet. So I didn't know, like, I had no plan, obviously. I didn't know the severity of it, if I really was going to leave at the time or or whatnot. So I I just sat there for a long time, I think, trying to think, do I need to go home? And then I feel like reality set in and I said, okay, obviously I'm going to go home and see my wife. Can I I say the Mitch right there is, I so appreciate even saying that. Somebody listening, I feel like if anybody even is listening and is saying, well, yeah, of course you're going to go home. It, no, nobody, the, the biggest thing I'm learning about this whole thing is nobody prepares for any of this. You've got so many things going through your head. And I feel like it's so easy in hindsight to say, oh, I probably should have done this, or I should have said this better. I should have. And I feel like that's one of the biggest takeaways I think I've taken in general is that everybody is going through this, everything for the very first time. So you just react the way you react and you got to give yourself a ton of grace for that. Because I feel like it's so easy to beat ourselves up about, oh, I should have done this, or I should have gone here. I should have. And it's like, no, you're doing it the best you can. And so I appreciate you even saying that the way you did, because even right now, I feel like we're all trying to navigate this as we're getting ready to plan this podcast and the recording, you know, should we do this or should we do this? And, and, and in reality, it's, let's just do, and then we'll kind of figure things out. Right. But anyway. Yeah. So then reality sets in, you say a little bit more. And- yes. So to speak to that, I feel like I was in the balance. Like I had to balance out whether, okay, is this severe enough to where I need to go home? Or since I'm on my last semester and I'll likely have to miss these exams. And is it severe enough to where I'll have to, is it worth going home to have to redo this long distance for another four months or like vice versa? But then obviously, like we said, I was like, okay, obviously I'm going to go home. It doesn't matter. It's just school. So I went and I checked and I looked on, Allegiant, which they fly out of Idaho Falls to Arizona, and the next flight wasn't till the next evening, so the, the evening of the next day. And so I looked in Salt Lake, and there was a flight that night. And Salt Lake is about three and a half hours from there, and there was a flight four hours from the, the moment that I was looking. And so I, I remember I booked it back into the library and threw all my stuff in my bag, and I just booked it out to my car. And, um, I, I remember just running home. I ran up into my apartment and I, I don't even remember what I grabbed, but I just chucked like a shirt and like underwear and shorts in there. And I ran and jumped in the car and I was driving down to Salt Lake while I bought the plane ticket. Wow. And luckily I made it there with a few minutes. To spare. I, didn't, I don't know if I knew that, that you had that tight of a deadline, especially cause I'm sure you were going the speed limit the entire time. Very safe. Oh yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I, I was going exactly the speed limit. <laughs> and it was like super snowy there. Oh God. Like you have to drive through that. Oh, I didn't know that part. And mentally I can't yeah. imagine what that drive would have been like. Cause we can talk from our perspective yeah, yeah. that we were together. Yeah. Like we had each other and I can't imagine just being alone and driving for three and a half hours and then getting on the plane oh. and do navigating all of that and all the emotions that went along with that and all by yourself. Mm. Like it just, that it just breaks my heart. Like to think about, 
Yeah, I remember it really was a weird feeling. I remember driving, thinking, I was crying, obviously, but there was times where it was just quiet and I would calm down. And I remember thinking, like, should I play music? Like, this is a real oh, yeah. trip. And then I, yeah. I remember thinking, I would just feel bad that Alex is, like, dying in the hospital and I'm here listening to music. So I just drove in silence the whole way. And I just wow. remember it was just such a foreign, like, feeling. I just didn't know what to do or like even small things like turning on the music. I was like, I just don't, that doesn't feel right. Someone that I love is in the hospital so alone. And I'm like, I, I just didn't feel right to want to enjoy something. Yeah. Oh, I know oh, that's so weird to say, but no, I, and I wish that man, again, here's one of those where I just said, oh, we handle things the way we handle them. And I'm now thinking, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that you were going through that. And Wendy got on the plane and why weren't you and I talking, Mitch? I feel so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's funny, my sisters kept calling me and uh, obviously I appreciate it and everything, but they kept, everyone kept calling me being like, how'd you find out? How'd you do this? And I just remember being like, just stop. Okay. Stop See, that's why I didn't call you, Mitch. That's, I knew that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Not even just to call me. Like I really appreciated them and they were crying and they sure. were obviously super worried about her. But I just, it was just the last thing I cared about was like, it yeah, felt like they were yeah. giving me sympathy. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for you. Like, how do you oh. find out? And I remember just being, call Alex or call someone else. Like, I'm getting there and they were trying yeah. to give me the sympathy. Yeah. Anyway. And you're like, um, I want, I, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. So, yeah, I got on the plane and I got there and Wendy and my dad picked me up in Phoenix. Wendy had gotten there a few hours before. Well, I feel like this um, is almost like, uh, okay, now let's cut to... Uh, I'm going to, I'll tell you where, what my experience was and what Wendy's was. And then like, okay. and then we'll get to there. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Alex, I don't think that I'm ignoring you. I don't, do you remember much no, about the I don't remember single thing? So okay. Single thing. Right. I mean, even, and we'll, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk about that too. And that's even, even that, how we yeah. started this conversation because go back to rehab where yep. and now, yep. everyone's like, you're so good, Alex. Like, I don't even remember. I literally woke up and yeah. was in this. It's, that's state. the part that just blew my mind and that I don't think I've, I'd ever put together. We had spent the morning negotiating, trying to buy a car for one of my other kids. And normally I, as odd as it is, not necessarily enjoy the negotiation process, but it's a process. And so it was what, two or three hours we'd been at this dealership and not realizing that thank you to the pandemic that there was no wiggle room. And so my negotiation tactics had fallen short. So we had just wasted a tremendous amount of time. We walk out of one dealership where I'm frustrated. I am. And we walk into another one and this guy comes up and I kind of was, I just, I remember saying, we just wasted three hours. Can you do this particular deal that's on a, an ad or not? And he's like, okay, no problem. I, let me get some numbers. I'll be right back. And then there's a call from Mitch. And I think this is funny. I mentioned this on one of my podcasts earlier, talking about just how difficult I felt like it was later on to access these tools of being present. But because I worried that I made it sound like, and Mitch and I never talk, but no, we text, we Snapchat, but the phone call, I thought, oh, and I was excited. Mitch got some thoughts. Wonder what's going on with Mitch on a Saturday. So I answered it. I wasn't thinking what's wrong. I don't know. It's so funny in my head. I just thought that you just had some time thinking maybe I had some time and we we're just going to kick around some just deep thoughts. So I'm like, Hey Mitch, what's up? And all I remember hearing is Alex has been in a really bad car accident. And then I don't, I don't know. See, I don't even want to talk about it now. I just, uh, Oh man. Um, um, gosh, I, okay. And I just remember feeling so helpless, but then I also felt like, cause I think Mitch, you were that now to hear that you were, 
maybe in that bathroom and you were, you know, just saying, what do I do? And I remember thinking, I think, I, I think I need to act like I know what to do. I don't know what to do. And so that's where I think the, what would somebody say in this situation? And I, and I told myself that oh, they would say, whatever you need to do, you could do it. So I heard myself saying that, but even being, what do I do? Do I need to go down? What do I need to do? And maybe we, we tag team this one because I know I had walked away. And then what did you see? I just remember knowing immediately. I remember you see exactly. You were like, you showed me your phone. You're like, Hey, it's Mitch. And you just go, Hey Mitch, what's up? And I just, you're, I don't even know how to describe your face. I feel like your face just went hollow. That's the only word I can think of. And I knew immediately. And I knew it was Alex because if it was Mitch, Mitch wouldn't be calling us. Yeah. I knew they were apart, right? I knew Mitch was in Idaho. So if your face looks like that and Mitch is the one you're talking to, something happened. And I remember just saying, Tony, what, what, what? And you were, you were responding to Mitch or saying, okay, I think you said, what can we do or what? Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling him, Mitch, you just go if you have to go, whatever. And then I just remember us running running through the parking lot and just... I think that Mitch had told you she has her tons of broken bones. And I remember knowing, or we were told that her spleen's going to be I shouldn't laugh removed. about this because then my first thought was, and what's a spleen? Because I remember, <laughs> I got her first thing. Like, what is that? I still don't know if anybody that? knows. And just, yeah, yeah just knowing that. <laughs> you know, her spleen might have to be removed. I don't know how bad that is. I don't know what a spleen is. Do I need to give her my spleen? <laughs> yeah, maybe I can donate what? mine. No, but I just remember <laughs> knowing that it was bad it was really bad but Mitch had said but she's alive and I remember whoa again in the intro talk about the phone call that you just never want to get and then just being and man and that's right I, even t- I couldn't tap into that grateful that she's alive it was like felt so helpless and then just gosh and then you said a lot of big words too pneumothorax something spleen whatever and <laughs> lacerations and the pre-med student using all the real yeah yeah (laughs) but then (laughs) yeah so so it's okay just whatever you got to do wendy's right we ran got in the car and i remember driving out of this this big circular auto mall and i remember taking this little back way out and turning onto this straight road and we both i think i grabbed your knee or something i think we both just started sobbing you know because i remember thinking should i be pulling over yeah but then i thought but we got to get home yeah. And I, we, and I remember when you, I just remember saying, I need to go. I, I need to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I was again, like, I'll with go. even that first, it's that weird thing. Like what Mitch was saying is initially I, it, in all honesty, my first thought was not, I need to go. It was, how are we going to handle this? We're all three, all of us are in different places. Alex is in Arizona, Mitch is in Idaho. We're in California. And logistically thinking, okay, how are we going to manage this? And it took me a little bit. And all of a sudden it was, oh, well, of course I have to go. I have yeah. to get on a plane. And then we were looking at flights on driving home. I just remember that part because then we couldn't get one of them to book. And I had to run in here and do it on my laptop. Yeah. And then we needed to call people. I don't know. Now I feel like I, I knew how we would lay this whole story out. And all of a sudden there are so many things because yeah, I, I yeah. yeah your mom Kim had called us and then she just said we're running over there well I think Mitch said my parents are on their way to the hospital right now yeah and so I think we called Kim because I told Kim I was just like please FaceTime me mm-hmm. as soon as you get there I just 
I like have to see her. You just, just FaceTime me when you get there. And then I think Kim laid out a little bit more like what, what her injuries were. I remember her going over them again. And then, yeah. And then we just came home. I'm smiling though, because I have to say, because they just said we have to just get oil first. And I thought, really, you guys don't keep your cars like full of oil, but they were getting oil for in our faith, like a blessing that they were going to give. So I thought that was really funny, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I got a car that burns oil too, but come on, keep it in the garage. And so then, uh, yeah. And and then, the same thing, we came out, we found a flight. And again, I don't even know how, Mitch, I don't know how you made it to the airport. I don't know how we made it to the airport because my flight took off in two hours. Yeah. And somehow, yeah, got home, did the same thing, threw a bag together. I drove like a maniac. So Mitch, you were a good like, man. Made it to the airport. <laughs> and then and then I think it's interesting because if man if Mackie could participate on this call too, man, that there's so many wild things, right? Did you how did we do that? We called Sid or Jake was home. Yeah. So we so I went in and told Jake and I just said he was in his room and I said I was you know, bawling. And I said, Jake, everything's okay. And he was just like, mom, what, what? And I couldn't talk. And he, and I said, Alex, and he just broke down and, and I said, she was in an accident, but she's okay. She's going to be okay. And he, I just remember he just pulled me in and just hugged me so hard. And Alex and Jake just had this like sweet connection and Ironically, we're both in a similar accident yeah. when Alex was 16, not nearly as serious, but same kind of situation. And he would have been 10. He's 18 now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, and he just, he just kept reiterating, like, is that mom, everything's okay, right? Is everything really okay? And yeah. And then I think we called the other we called Mackie yeah I was just saying though with Mackie she was at work and she had just had someone that had lost a sibling a week before and, and they the, talked about that phone call like her because her co-worker got the call out work while she was literally like doing somebody's hair and I think we felt uh, we just uh, called Mackie and said hey just give us a call when you can and I think Jake posted to the group Al send in prayers like you're gonna be okay and then we we're like, oh crap. Yeah. And then Mackie's like, gonna, oh my gosh. Yeah. She, she's a hair uh, uh, cosmetologist. And she said she was, I think, washing someone's hair and she had her Apple watch on. And then she just so saw his call. Sweet. She's like annoying mom and dad. And then sees Al, we're praying. You're going to make it through. <laughs> okay. Okay. That is, come on. Uh, I, can, I, I can maybe edit out dog barking. Okay. Hey, you're good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, all right, where do we go from here? Meanwhile, Alex, this is day one, nothing. Zero hour. Hi. Do you remember, what do you remember? Hi, I, hi. What do you remember about the before? I still think this is in there, fascinating about the whole day of. I just, like Mitch said, I remember waking up and FaceTiming him. And I remember being so excited because it was my first like weekend after starting my externship. And I even I remember you. I think I maybe talked to you. Oh, maybe when we're doing Mario Kart. Yeah. Because I remember you saying you were so looking forward to just being able to sleep in because the week you had had this, the week had been like a stressful week, right? Like first week, eight (laughs) hours a day. You had ultrasounded some very interesting things. Yes. You've had some interesting (laughs) days at work. The things they don't tell you about the glamorous uh, parts. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, 
I do. I remember you talking about just like looking forward to not like to just having two days yeah. to yourself or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember calling Mitch and I was like, I think I'm going to go to the gym. And it's just funny because even that I was like, should I go? Should I just mm. out all day and not go? And then, yeah, I remember, um, I like, I remember getting ready and then I remember going back and forth between what car I should take. And I was like, because we have, Mitch and I have a newer car, um, a Sonata that we've had, we got like when we got married. And so that was like our main car. And then we had the Mini Cooper, which was my parents that they didn't use. So they gave it to us just because at the time we kind of had needed two cars. <clears throat> so anyways, I hadn't driven the Mini Cooper all week. And that's the one that like burns oil like crazy. And so I was like, I should probably just take it out and just let it drive. And the gym's not far, so I'll just take it to the gym. So I remember picking that car and that's the last thing. That's it. Day. Like I don't remember leaving. And then my next memory is like it was from that day, but it was just like truly I think the only thing I remember is I was on like a hospital bed and there were like a bunch of people around me. They were trying to shift my position and they were like, I think they were like lifting the sheets to pull me like higher up the bed. And at the time, my like entire pelvis was like shattered and my hips were broken. My sacrum was broken. And so when they pulled me up, it seriously felt like I was being ripped into. Like it oh. felt like my entire body was like splitting apart because it basically was like right with how broken I was. Yeah, your surgeon literally yeah, said what, yeah, tell about that. What? Your surgeon literally said it's essentially her body is her lower body is disconnected from her yeah. upper body. Man. And so I just remember them trying to do that and the pain was so bad. I just remember just trying to say, stop, 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 please stop. Uh, and I think I was able to like get that out. But that was like, that's literally all I remember from that entire day. And then I have a couple of big memories from the day after and like the week following. But that entire day, like with everything that happened, if I remember the first few hours of the morning and then that one like very painful moment and that's it. So Al, that's the part I can't even imagine. And that we were talking about when we were putting the pieces together is, so yeah, you're waking up, you can't move. And then everybody around you is just, you're doing great or Hey, at least you're alive. And I just, I don't know why that hit me so hard to just think, of course, you didn't know what was going on. When did you even start putting the pieces together of what had happened? And I, there's a part in particular, when you found out what had happened, even your reaction to that, what, what did you start to put together and when? I just, I don't even really know. I keep trying to wrap my brain and like remember, like, when like when did they tell me all of my injuries? And, like, when did I finally put it all together? And I don't know. I really don't know. Okay. I, remember, I remember, like, the next day. Because I remember, like, my mom and Mitch coming in. And I remember I was just so excited to finally, like, at that time I was awake and it's like I wanted them to be there and 
I don't know if I'm sure you guys are telling me what happened. And I, I kind of remember a couple of nurse nurses telling me, but I don't know. It's just over that next week. I just feel like after hearing it so many times from different people, I think it just clicked, like, why I was there. But it's, I just, there's no moment that I remember being like, oh, okay. like this. And that part, I feel like I can't even, again, I go back to I can't imagine because I think when people... I, I break a hand playing basketball. I remember, I remember everything about that right. or somebody gets in a car crash and they walk away or they remember yeah. there might be some trauma there. But so I just, that part of just still people are telling me that this is what happened and this is, it must, they must be right because I'm in this hospital and, and not still even being able to have those memories and your life has changed so dramatically right now. I, I just, I don't know. That part is just, so hard. It'd be so hard too to hear all around you like, "Oh, you're doing great! Like, you're doing so great!" And because everybody around you knew what happened, right? right? And for you to be laying there and being like, "What do you mean I'm doing great? Like, I I can't, can't move. move. Like, I exactly. that doesn't I sound so great in the moment, how, right? How could you possibly think that I'm doing great? Because you didn't realize the severity or the, or knew you didn't know all the injuries. And so the fact that you were just laying there breathing was like, it was awesome. You're doing so great. <laughs> but, and I can't imagine like you my, to be like, how can yeah. I be doing great? I physically cannot move. Like I can move my upper body a little bit. Right. But yeah, yeah that must just been such a weird. It was really weird. It's just, I just remember, I just remember seeing my, I mean, this is kind of gross. So, like, my catheter tube, like, yeah. going down the bed, and it's just, it was just full of blood. Like, I remember seeing oh. that. I couldn't, like, breathe. Like, I couldn't take a deep breath because of my punctured lung and oh. my broken ribs. So, if I couldn't breathe, I'm seeing all this blood. I, like, cuff all over my head. Everywhere I look, I'm, like, poked with all these IVs. I have bandages everywhere. I have a neck brace on. And it's, and it's still don't know what happened and the like the last thing I remember is I was fine I was great was like I was in the best shape of my life I'm going to the gym and then I get this amazing job everything yeah right and then it's everyone oh you're okay you're gonna be okay you're doing great and I don't know I still like I don't know what really happened and it's from what I can see and feel like I'm not doing great yeah exactly yeah it's so weird to just hear that all the time and like just still still not really know what was going on and then so like even right now what are we seven weeks yeah as yeah. of yesterday i want to i i still want by myself one and say man al you're doing great what does that even feel like now the future is so uncertain yeah it's a weird it's a weird feeling because like i still i can barely walk I'm using my wheelchair. I'm taking all these medications. I can't go back to school yet. Everything was so, like, altered. And so it is hard to hear people say that. And as much as I appreciate it, yeah. at the same time, I still don't remember the accident. And I'm basically just stuck at home all day or going to physical therapy. But at the same time, like, I have to do this. Like, I know your job is your bones to grow. That's the part that I keep thinking right. about. Right. It's just weird. You wake up to something happening and there's nothing 
you can do other than do. You just have to every day and let yourself heal while being in this immense amount of pain still to this day. The pain is so intense and mentally it's so hard. Everything's changed and it's so hard to wrap my head around that and not be able to even know when I will be better. That's the hardest yeah. part. Like and what that even will look like. like. This is the day that you're going <clears> to <throat> yeah. heal and go back. I don't know that. I'm still taking it day by day, just hoping that I will get better and hoping I won't need more procedures or more. It's just yeah. like, it's just hard not knowing and also having everything change and well, just knowing and that I'm just going to have to accept that. Exactly that. And I think that it's so hard because you, I just feel like you had everything. You and Mitch had this perfect plan, right? You timed everything so that everything was going to lay out just, just so. And I just feel everything was just ripped away from you guys. And it, it had nothing to do with anything that you did, any yeah. choice that you made, any mistake. You literally were doing nothing. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about the the accident even. I mean, yeah, in the interim, and I'll read that part that's from the GoFundMe. You but were yeah. broadsided by somebody who ran a red light. You were completely in the right. You didn't, and I don't know why, it just, it stings so much to know that you're dealing with things now in the present and possibly for the rest of your life because of something that somebody else did. And I don't know why that is so yeah. Hard because you guys worked so hard to put yourselves in the place that you were in that moment. And to just have that taken from you and just the injustice of it all is so hard. And like you said, you can't do anything but accept it, right? We have to get to that place of acceptance. But for me, that, and it's not even me not going right. through it. So I can't even imagine because for me, that it's so hard to just get to that place where I just look at you guys and all the hard work that you did leading up to this point to put yourselves in the place that you were in and then to have it literally just taken from you in an instant aside from the physical pain that you're going through and the physical rehabilitation there's so much more I feel like that was stripped away from you that day. And what's crazy too, and I appreciate you saying that. I think the, the one of the things that's so difficult is the old no one knows until they go through something, what that is actually like. Because I know I'm, I'm grateful that the other person isn't hurt, but then also to just see that mom's down in Arizona most of the time and helping and just, I don't know, and, and we want the kids to come in and, and be there to support you. And just all the, and Mitch coming down from Idaho to, to finish school and oh, just, there's so much we haven't talked about no there's so yeah. many things that then just this one thing that happened and so i know that now that we're in it i'm with mom i find myself getting angry and sad and frustrated and where before i think i would have i don't know when i hear about those things i think i am the guy saying well at least she's alive and now it's oh man and and i just have to tell you there was one of the times that mackie came in and we were down there in arizona and we were at walmart we both talked about it later we saw this guy that had a prosthetic leg and he was just walking and I stopped and Mackie had saw him later and I stopped. And I know that in the past I would just say, well, oh, that guy gets around pretty cool. And I might've even thought, I don't know, like I, some, I, my, my brain goes to humor all the time. The, I would have made one of my shoes bigger. I don't know, something like that. And instead I stopped and I thought, wow, that guy did not plan on having that happen. And some, something happened and he was in a hospital at some point 
and he had to come to the acceptance that he didn't have a lower leg and he had to, and then the prosthetic and he probably felt like I'll never get used to this. And instead of just going, Whoa, look at that guy. Yeah. Everything that people go through. Is there, and is there advice that you would even give to people of what are, what do you feel like you do want to hear or what is the way to handle when somebody has gone through tragedy or trauma and, what, what what have you enjoyed hearing or what's been difficult to hear or I think and maybe this is just me because I don't know sure everyone's gonna you know want to hear the same things as me but I feel the best thing for me is when people just at least start with empathy to leave with the empathy not that I want pity necessarily sure. but I feel like it's better to for me to hear, I'm so sorry. This just must be horrible. I don't yeah, I mean like it sucks. that kind of thing. Because that's where I'm at right now. It's, this sucks so bad. And so it's really hard to hear. At least you're alive. And right. you know, you're doing great. And you're so strong. And it's hard because that is true. And it's like, I'm so grateful. That I'm alive. And I know that, I know that this could have been so much worse in so many ways. I know that, I know that I'm yeah. very fortunate and like lucky to be alive, but right now, this is the hardest thing that I've ever had to navigate through. Yeah. And sometimes it just feels like it's never gonna get better and I feel like it's just hard right now I would have imagined that I would be doing so much better by now and so it's really hard to hear things like you'll be better in no time and just those positive things are so nice but at the same time it it feels like my feelings just get pushed away or like very invalidating to someone who's not necessarily feeling that way and who just needs who just needs a hug or just I just feel like it's better to just be there for someone and ask how they're doing and try to understand how they're feeling instead of telling them yeah that just dismissing everything and just telling them you're going to be fine. No, I want you to understand with me that this is horrible. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that even makes sense. Al, it it makes so knowledge. much sense, but I feel like this is, yeah. it, you said something so good right there where I feel like people are uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable with that emotion and not knowing what to say. So this is where it's almost like we want somebody else to tell me you're good. Right. Cause that'll make me feel better instead of just because exactly what, yeah. Because I'm seeing a therapist right now Yeah. that you guys like were able to find for me. And I've only been once, but what she said, because I was explaining that to her, that it's so hard to hear all of that around me when I just feel like I'm in such like a difficult and dark place. And she was saying some people just, it's so hard for them yes. to accept your reality that they will tell you you're doing great and you're yeah. fine because then in their mind, 
okay, she is, she, see, she's going to be fine. And then, and then I don't have to deal with the emotion, yeah. right? Exactly. I, I, if, if she's fine, then I don't have to deal with how hard this is. Exactly. And it's so interesting because I'm sure I have done that so many times yeah. to people, especially with how like sensitive of a person I am. Yeah. I feel like it's hard for me to try to like, feel how other people are going through things because sometimes it's too much for me. Yes, absolutely. It's like, I'm sure at times when people are going through hard things or like if Mitch is going through something hard, I'm sure my initial reaction is, well, we'll get through it. You'll be fine or you're doing great or things like that. And so it's hard because I understand why people Mm -hmm. react that way because I'm sure I've done that before. And I think it's taught me now to instead of immediately respond to something like that okay hold on this isn't about me and yes. making me feel better let's try to think how is this person really feeling and maybe respond trying to go that route instead of just making it all positive when positivity is great and it's needed but if you're only going to say that it really makes the other person feel invalidated and absolutely i think it invalidates everything that you're going through, like you said, this is the hardest thing you've ever been through. And I think that when someone just says, well, at least you're alive or you're doing great. Look at you. Oh my gosh, you're sitting up. And again, I think being on the outside, we want to be positive, right? We want to say something positive because that seems like the right thing to do. I don't think what we understand is how much that invalidates Mm -hmm. everything that you're going through and everything that you've lost. And it just like brushes that aside when it's like, you're doing great. Look at you. You're sitting up Mm -hmm. or you're standing with your walker. And it completely invalidates the emotional and mental and all the, the physical, all the things that you're still dealing with and will be dealing with for who knows how long. I like that you were saying that the therapist is so spot on and what I'm realizing is I don't want to deal with emotion because then it means that that it might happen to me too. I feel like the, that's something that the reason why people want you to help them feel okay is because then if this could happen to you, then it could happen to me or it could happen to someone else. And I feel like that's almost this deep fear that we have. It's almost telling myself that, okay, but, but you're good, right? Because then heaven forbid, if something happened to me, I'm sure I would be fine. And, and it exposes these like, fears that we have. I, I made a joke with somebody the other day that, so maybe um, not getting a lot of sleep and living on a diet of candy and soda pop, it maybe will catch up to me because it, apparently then things can happen to anybody because they can happen to somebody so close to me. And I think that's one of the things that's I, why we want to, to run away from the, the deep emotion because no, this won't happen to our family. Everything's been pretty good with our kids and, and health. It just lets you know that life can happen. I think that's really, that can be really hard. Talk about your day to day. Every time I check in, every time, not an all or nothing statement. I feel like when I check in often, mom's massaging your muscles. When I've been down there, you're doing all the PT exercises. You're doing the extra exercises. I've been beyond impressed with because I worry. Here's the thing. I worry that I would not be doing those things if I was going through something like this. And it blows my mind to hear, no, that's a judgmental statement. When people will tell me when they come into my office, some big thing happens, a heart attack, and then they can't stop doing whatever it is they're doing that led to the heart attack. And so I just want you to know, here's what I say, you're doing great, Al. Uh, but you're working so hard. So what is that day-to-day like? I wake up. I usually have to take meds 
because I get really uncomfortable if I'm in like one position for too long or I get more stiff in the morning. So I usually take medication. And throughout the night. And throughout the night. I'm waking up throughout the night a lot. I can't remember the last time that I was able to sleep through the night since the accident. So I'm trying to sleep in and then I, I have to get dressed which I still can't do on my own. So it's either Mitch or my mom. They, I mean, everything. Underwear, pants, socks, bra, shirt. And then... Um, I usually will, like, sit in my wheelchair. And they wheel me into the bathroom. Sorry, I don't know. Oh, wow, because it's hard, because it sucks. Um, but they wheel me into the bathroom, and I get ready for the day. I'll do something with my hair, or put mascara on, or brush my teeth. And then I'll come out, and I'll, I'll usually just lay down for a while, or I do my physical therapy exercises. And how hard are those, Al? How hard are the physical therapy exercises? They're hard. They're really hard, and it's difficult because I know I have to do them if I want to yeah. improve, like, my mobility. But every time I do them, that's what increases my pain. So, wow. it's like, it's so hard because I know that I know when I do them, it's going to hurt really bad, but I have to do it. And so, I force myself to want to do that. And then... Al, that right there, though, is so, I've thought about that of just when people say, yeah, no, it's hard. To, I don't want to go to the gym. And I feel like you, it just, everything that you're going through is just up my, my empathy so much because, and I, the way you just said that is, is so beautiful. If, uh, if I don't really feel like going to the gym, that's okay. I'll go tomorrow. But if you, do you feel like if you miss a workout that this could impact your mobility moving forward? Do you feel a pressure there? Yeah, I do. Wow. Especially because everything's so... We just don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just don't, they tell you that you, they think you're going to make a full recovery or that you'll be better at this time, but it's really up to every person. And so yeah. I do feel like I have to stay on top of those things. But anyways, I'll usually do those. Then like my mom will make me lunch and I try. When talk about the, oh, go ahead. No worries. I was say that the muscle stuff is what I'm just so fascinated by. I think uh-huh. I, where I was joking a little bit is anytime that I, I FaceTime or call, or I feel like I hear that familiar hum yeah. of the massager. And yeah. cause that part is, I, I is wild. What, so talk about that. Your muscles yeah. are tight. It's like constant, but I feel like by the end of every day, like after I do my PT, I try to go down the hall and back, like with my walker, just to try to walk a little bit every day. And by the end of every day, my muscles are just, so insanely like tight and sore and I'm pretty sure it's because like my leg muscles like where they all attach is up like in my pelvis area so it's like all of that was destroyed and so it's not only are where they all the attachments and stuff messed up but just not being able to use them for so long yeah. like the soreness is just something I've never experienced in my life and so every night I'll have Mitchell try to stretch my hamstrings or my mom will use the massage gun. And it's so crazy. It's like on level one and she barely touches my skin and I like 
freak out because it's so painful. And it's just crazy. And that's every day. And I feel like the muscle pain is probably the most constant, like, 24-7, like, I'm wow. always feeling it, and just, I just try, like, not to think about it, but that, it constantly has to be working on stretching those or doing things to make those feel better. I feel like that's right now, too, this thing, is, okay, go ahead. I was going to say, like, that, and correct me if I'm wrong, seems like that's the one pain that the pain meds don't take away. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, the bones yeah. and everything, there's pain meds for, but the muscles yeah. are just so irritating. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say that this is where I feel like people that any, anybody bless their heart, there's probably people listening right now that are saying, well, has she thought about, have you done this? Or you just really need to push through it. Or I, here's what I've done. Cause I've been really sore after a race or, and this is where I feel like people that again, they so mean well, and they want to connect and then they want you to say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. So they can say, okay, I feel better now. Instead yeah. of just sitting with that, man, that I can't, I cannot imagine. I can't. Yeah. And I, that's so hard for me too, because I, just with what you said, I I want to make people feel like heard and validated (laughs) so bad that it's like, it makes me feel bad even saying what I did before, like how those positive things don't help because I just, I so appreciate where people are coming from, but if I'm being real, it is, it is hard to hear that. And so. But I don't no, I, sound like I'm being and you're not. And this is what I appreciate. And when I go back to nobody knows until they go through something, what that's really like on any level. And I'll pull my therapist card out big here of that. You as the only person that you're the only you. So you're going through this the first time. And so that's where I feel like anybody's saying, I know what you're going through, or this is what happened to me because people mean so well, but that's where I feel like people come into my office and sometimes they feel like what's wrong with me. I don't feel that doesn't help. I don't feel, I don't, I know people mean well, but it's because no one really does know what you're going through period. No one can at all. And so the more we can try to understand, I think the better, but then even still, I want to say, but I do, I hear you, but I do, I do know what you're this is really hard, but just do this or because I want you to feel better because it will make me feel better. I think that's so hard. I, I have to tell this is that I think this goes along with it, but just the more that I'm here, I try to come down every couple of weeks. Mom's there daily. I try to check in with you. So I'm trying to gauge the, okay, how's she doing? And so it seems like you're getting your sense of humor back. You're some of those kind of things. And so we were playing Mario Kart one time and I do, it was so funny how, but I won and I never win. As you guys were letting me know last night, I think I'm really not very good at it. And I won and I think it was just funny because he said, oh, do you feel good about beating your daughter who's in a wheelchair? Dad? And that's what I like, laughed and cried all at the same time. So I'm like, oh, that feels so good. And I feel okay about that, but it, but it isn't good, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Is that hard? Do you feel like, well, I don't know. See, here's why I want you to make me feel better. So like, you're good. Is that cool? Or, but, but do you feel like, does it feel different even mentally or emotionally? Can you notice those differences or those who just get to check in with you every now and again? I don't know. What's, what's that? Okay, wait, sorry. I know. I, I, it was the world's worst question. Do you, what do you notice? Do you feel like you are starting to notice your sense of humor come back uh-huh. more or? Yeah. Or no, just feeling like feel... yourself more like. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm censoring my own question because I realized everything we just talked about for 30 minutes. Now I realized, is this just me wanting you to say, no, I'm good, dad. It's cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do feel like I'm, I am starting to feel more like myself and it is 
a little bit easier to joke around about and it helps lighten the mood. But yeah, but I do feel like being that way or thinking that way is just, it is able to help distract me because if I know if I sit here for too long and think about it, that like I will break down. Yeah, I know I do. I hear you. No. So just a little, and that's why I feel like everybody's experience is so unique because when you feel like that is a good thing, when you feel like you can tap into the humor, then tap into it. And if somebody says something and it, it doesn't really sit so well, then I feel like they're, you know, just to know there's nothing wrong with you for that. Right. That's right. I think too, one thing I really worry about, worry about when I'm talk about worrying, because I think that one of the things that maybe I passed on to you, unfortunately, is like <laughs> the worry gene. And I think that... <laughs> that I tend to be a worrier and I see that in you. And I think that there are so many uncertainties like with the future and things with your mobility or things with being able to carry a child or challenges that might come with that process. And I think that there's just so much that there's the accident in itself and what you dealt with. And then there's the stuff you're going through now. And there's so much uncertainty in the future for you and for Mitch. And I just, I worry so much about you worrying about that Mm -hmm. and just wonder what that is like for you and how you deal with that or how you process those emotions. I don't, I feel like I don't even have a good, like, answer because of yeah. I am just constantly worried about that stuff and I just have to like try to tell myself don't think about it you know what I mean yeah. just don't because I do I start to like spiral and especially when it is like such big stuff like that I'm so hoping that the recovery will be like just how I was before yeah. but it's like you know you just worry like at such like a young age I just can't imagine if I if I walk weird for the rest of my life or if I have pain for the rest of my life yeah. or if when I do want to get pregnant, it's like if that it's just like so so hard to worry or to not worry about that stuff when it's such like a big part of your life that you just never in a million years would have thought you'd have to be worried about. And I just feel that's another thing that I'm working on, like in therapy, is just how to not have anxiety over that kind of thing. And I just thought something really interesting, and this might just be a tangent, but what my therapist said, she just, she told me that like my, what I'm dealing with right now is so difficult and painful and so scary just with all the unknown that I try to tap into these virtual realities. And it's like the two that I tap into, it's like the past, which is the accident. And I have so much grief and loss and like anger like at what happened that it's like if I tap into that it's still so hard to be there mentally and then if I tap into my future virtual reality all it is is worry and unknown and so 
just when she laid it out like that, it was so, it was validating to hear because it's no wonder I am constantly filled with worry and anxiety when those are the only places I am allow my mind to go. So it's interesting and it's something that I'm excited to work on. But yeah, it's just our being a warrior and just yeah, not I love them. to tell myself, let's not think about that because it's not doing me any good. Well, so here I have to just, this is going to be funny. And first of all, I love that mom talked about passing along the worry gene. That, that's kind of funny, but I feel like I maybe swing so far over to the don't worry that it makes sense as to why then, but it's almost like the battle to the, but no, because the worry and anxiety is there initially as a protector. It is there to warn us. I'm only saying this because this is literally, I'm putting it out on the virtual couch podcast. And so I yeah. talk so much about these things. So if, I, I wonder if, if anybody listening is saying, wait, have you never talked to your daughter? But I feel like this is the, the funny part about nobody wants to be there hear therapy from their dad, that sort of thing. But it's, and I love that you're, you find that connection with the therapist because that's so important because it, it is, I, I it, this principle of we use past and future to orient ourselves. And, and I, and this, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is this is interesting because this has taught me, these are the tools I, I'm talking about that are so hard for me to tap into now. Because I can't tell you how many, I don't know, 100 episodes. I don't know how many where I, I talk about, oh, we worry about the past. And yeah, but this happened. And I always so say dismissively, not dismissively, but I try to always say that, oh, yeah, that happened. Almost like acceptance. And what if this happens in the future? And we're like, that would be really hard. Acceptance. And then we come back to the present and we take action on the things that really matter. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. And But it has been difficult to use those same tools myself because I've never been in this situation of feeling so helpless, not trying to make it about me. But I feel like that is the thing that's so wild is until somebody goes through something, it is so hard. And, and so I still believe those are the absolute right tools, but you just don't realize how hard they are to, to tap into when you're going through things. And I think that's so hard. And then I just have to make this joke when you're saying, I just have to not think about it because I go so big as often as I can saying, yeah, don't think about the pink elephant wearing a tutu. I'm holding an umbrella right now. I just thought of it. And so that's where it's, and I feel like the acceptance is, oh, I notice I'm thinking that. And of course I'm going to think that because I'm human and I've never been through this experience before. But then the part that I have struggled with that I didn't realize is that I would always say, okay, yeah, make room for that thought and invite it to come along with you while you do things. But I was skipping a huge part of that, which was feeling the, I did not realize until this situation. This is what I talked about on the episode the week after it happened was I've been trying to talk myself into this model where you can, of course, you're going to feel that way because you're a human. You're not a robot or a psychopath. And then just, but then I was almost, I didn't realize how quickly I was saying, but then just, yeah, accept it and then bring the feelings along with you. Still the right tool, but I was skipping that huge step of feeling those feelings and not being afraid and not running away from them because, because I feel like that's where people then turn to whatever, unhealthy coping mechanisms. Earlier when you were saying, I don't know what to do with when I'm thinking these I wanted to make the joke of, oh, I'll tell you what I've done. Eat like entire box of Girl Scout cookies at one <laughs> sitting. And that works for a minute. But then I feel worse instead of just sitting there and allowing myself to, to cry. I've cried more lately than I ever have in my life and allow myself to sit here for a minute. And even then my brain says, okay, how long do I do this? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Because I'm trying to figure out what instead of just be in that moment and cry. And eventually you get through that emotion. And then it's okay. And now I can take action. And I didn't put on 700 calories because one deal, you know, one sleeve of thin mints is 740 calories. Okay. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I appreciate you sharing that so much Al, because I feel like that is the challenge because it goes back to that stuff that you, is, the hippies had it right back in the day. Well, all you can do is be present, but it just, so yeah, but what about the, what happens in the future? What if I can't, 
like you say, what if I have to have another procedure? What if I'm not going to be able to walk right? What about the, and, well, and there's all the financial uh, stuff oh, that goes gosh. along with that too, right? You're hit by an extremely underinsured driver. So you and Mitch are both students, right? I know, yeah, students. the elephant in the room is we're literally launching a GoFundMe. And so the, and this is because this is real. I'm yeah. glad you brought that back up. You're going to have all of your medical bills from the accident, moving forward, all the physical therapy, all the rehabilitation, anything that needs to happen in the future. If there's realignments, if there's things with. And that's the part where, again, bless the insurance agency's heart. That's hard to say or whatever that looks like. But I didn't, there's so many things I didn't know. And that we have to, you have to like, everything has to be finalized. You you settlements and things and whatever. And then it's, but what about the future? I almost like the, the insurer, everyone is doing the, yeah, I don't know. But all we can worry about is right now. And, but I feel like, no, but this is different because there's so many unknowns, which is why we're doing a GoFundMe. And, and because, because you guys are ultimately responsible for those yeah. because of the insurance situation. And I noticed that I'm the most positive. I feel like I'm a very positive person. And so I do feel bad that it is the, the, I don't want to be dramatic and say the worst case scenarios are playing out, but they are. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with acceptance of that. Yeah. Absolutely underinsured. And I had someone right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's, it's so hard to accept when something like so unfair happens to you. And it's not, we did nothing. Yeah. Like nothing wrong, nothing to like deserve it. And it's so crazy to me that something can happen that quick to you. And all because of like someone else's decision or mistake. And it's, it's all on us now. It's right. We, are gonna, we just, there's so much that we're going to have to pay for and plan for and and it's so crazy to me that that can be left on someone else. Yeah. When it's when you did nothing, and it exactly. blows my mind, and it's seriously, like, it makes me feel so bad for other people that to go through this because I never would have thought that that could all fall on them. Like, I didn't either, honestly. Things can happen like that. And, and even in setting up your, I was saying setting up your GoFundMe, I feel like I've already thrown, okay, well, throw a little money to this one that I'm looking at, or I'll put a little money to this one because everybody's going yeah. through so many things. Yeah. I feel like we could do a part two. I think that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Maybe we jump on in a month or two and touch base yeah. again. Do you guys feel like there's anything else you want to share? That I feel like we processed so much today. There are things that you feel like you didn't get to that you wanted to. Okay. Alex, I, I thank you and Mitch and Wendy for coming on and being vulnerable. And we did cry and that's okay. And I'm grateful for that. And, and people listening, I've been just blown away by the amount of support that the listeners to the podcast have given. And it is funny. I've even had people I don't even know say, can I set up a GoFundMe for you? I know I forward mom an email if somebody is down near you and I'll go over there. Say how many times we have said throughout this experience, people are just so good because it's people are just good. <laughs> I'm grateful. Yeah. Just so grateful for the kindness that has been shown and the love and the support and yeah. And yeah. So of course we, we are saying that if anyone is feels like they are uh, open to contributing and helping out with the GoFundMe, then by all means, the links will be everywhere. And we're going to be sharing it on every place that we can. And Wendy even learned how to do a reel and, it, and we put it on TikTok. So that's even going to happen too. But Mitch, Al, Wendy, thank you so much. And Alex, now I feel like I can't say doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you really are. We'll get you on here again in another month or so, maybe for an update and see how things are going. Okay. Okay. Thank okay. You. Love you guys.
Yeah, thanks, guys. Love you. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks again for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you happen to have hung around till the end, only because it's a time-sensitive thing and I have gotten a few questions about this, but I am going to continue with the Magnetic Marriage Workshop. That is uh, virtual. It's on April 7th, which is uh, on a Thursday. And you can find out more about that at tonyoverbay.com slash magnetic. But again, thank you so much for hanging in here and listening to this interview. And if you're interested in donating to the GoFundMe account, that is in the show notes. Or it is actually, it's uh, gofundme.com slash F as in Frank slash Alexa's Road to Recovery. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The Virtual Couch.